Hello ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Relevancy by the Sea. This is part two with David Burris. How's everybody doing? Um, so getting back into this, it's, it's like uh, the night before I went to court. Um, well, the whole time, the whole time I was locked up because I was, it was like three months before I went to that court date. And this is when they were basically going to tell me uh, what's going to happen, what the deal is, if there's any deals on the table for what happened or anything like that. And um, at that time, they were trying to pass this new law. I'll get into that law. But what, what happened was I started thinking I was going to these, these classes. Um, they were like drug classes. They were inside, you know, inside jail and everything. Well, why and, don't uh, we get to that law? Cause I think it's, I think it's going to be a good setup. So we know where your mentality is. Were you aware of this new law while you were incarcerated? Um, I was aware of the possibility of the law, but the law had not been passed. And, um, I think it, as a matter of fact, I think it, I think it had, had passed, but I didn't know much about, I knew like a little bit about it, but I, I dug more into it. And, uh, what ended up happening is it, it applied to me. So, um, we used it in court and, um, my lawyer, I mean, basically what I was saying is when I was locked up in the, when, when I was in my cell and, you know, the day before I was kind of like thinking about my whole life flashing before me, you know, just everything that I had went through to that point. And I was going to these classes and, um, I went into this class called, um, three principles. And what three principles is, is mind, thought, and consciousness. I mean, people, people have NA, right? People have NA, like Narcotics Anonymous, where you have a higher power, you know, God, and there's the steps and everything. I don't like to knock them people. I went through that, but this one particular class is what made me realize about myself. It's mind, thought, and consciousness. Now, what it is, it's basically, it basically tells you that, um, you know, like when you're, like a child, when a child is, uh, a child is innocent. Before the child understands the world, a child is a bright light. A child is completely innocent. The child doesn't understand the, the bad things of the world. Okay, well, every, every one of us has that inside of us still. I don't care how old you are. And that, that bright light inside you, that is your, uh, your first instinct, basically your gut. And, you know, your, your first gut feeling, like how they say, like I, I think I said it before, like, Nine out of ten times when I'm walking, when I'm doing my dope or I'm, I want to party and I walk by this house where there's a party house and I, I'm going to walk to the house and I say to myself, don't go in there. Ah, fuck it, I'm going to go in there. Well, that first feeling I had was the bright light inside me. That's my purity. Now, this class, this person basically made me understand about how how pure I am inside and, and made me realize that... uh I can control everything by the blink of an eye, by the drop of a dime. Any decision I make, I can make right there and then, and I could cut it straight out. So seriously, at that point, when I was in that class, 
I realized that I could stop everything I was doing. And, and people say, oh, you know, uh, NA, they call it a, a wide knuckling it or something like that. Like, you know, you're, you're not going by the steps. You're just kind of saying, oh, I can do it. Just I'll, I'll do it on my own. And yeah, you know, nine out of 10 times, nobody can do that. But you know what? When you realize how power, powerful you are inside and, and, you know, how in control you are, really, seriously, you can do it. I mean, I did it. I'm proof, dude. I mean, I was 40 years old when I went in there. I mean, look at my whole life, dude. It flashed right before me. My whole life, everything I've been through in my whole life, dude. And I'm barely making the decision now. There's people that my, some of my friends are older than me and they're still doing the same shit. And I try to explain to them the same thing that I'm telling, telling you. It's, it's some real shit, dude. So I thought about my whole life. I thought about everything that I put my son through without him even knowing what he had been through. He had been through some shit, but I just didn't allow him to see it, but he had been through some shit. Now to this point, my son, my, my son was 11 years old and he had already been to seven schools. Think about that. 11 years old and you've been to seven schools. I mean, that's, that's just fucking crazy, dude. And I didn't think about it through all that because my mind was in the fucking fog. It was, my mind was in music. My mind was in dope. And my mind was in making money. Well, I still have and a I, question. I'm sorry. I still have a question yeah, because I still don't feel like you told us what the law was had happened while you were locked okay. up. And you, and you mentioned the three principles and sort of what they represented but just like now, I forgot what those three principles were and how Mind it really and how it really related to you. Like, hey, I could change anything, but you just kind of tapped on it. Do you plan to go back to explain that? Or oh yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. That's what I, I'm. That's what I'm. Uh, I'm. See, like, like I said, I thought about everything that flashed before me. Now, now the mind, thought, and consciousness. That is my life now. I mean, I. It's really, those principles are not really, and there's nothing to study about it. It's just understanding who you are and understanding how much power you have within yourself to uh, think differently, you know, change the way of thinking. That's what it's all about. It's changing the, the way you think. You know what I mean? Because thoughts, in order for thoughts to, to, to come out, they need to, they need to have action. And if you change the way you're thinking, you don't have to worry about any of that stuff anymore. I stopped smoking by the drop of the dime. I didn't have to wean myself off. I stopped doing doing dope at the drop of the dime. I mean, I got so strong on that belief in myself that I could even watch somebody doing dope in front of me and it won't even make me think twice about it, dude. I look at it now and I think about it now and it's just disgusting. But this new law that they had put out, now, every time I, I was getting in trouble for sell, selling dope or being involved in, in something like that, you know, I, I had a prison term. Now, when I went to court, like I said, my, the day I saw her face and I, I felt like, dude, she pretty much sealed it up for me. She pretty much sealed it up and said, and, and, and made me say to myself, I don't want that to be me no more. I don't want that to be me no more. I got, I got to focus on my son. I got to take care of business. I got to move forward. Yeah, I said that many times before. But this time is different. It's really different and it feels really different. So what I did, I did just that. Okay, so the law, what the law said is every time I got in trouble, I would go to prison. 
when it had to do with a certain amount of dope. He, if you have so much amount of dope, you do a prison term. Well, the new law was from now on, I wasn't going to be sent away to Jamestown or San Quentin. I had already done time in Jamestown and uh, San Quentin. I wasn't going to be sent away to a prison uh, anywhere else in California. I was going to actually end up staying right here in the Bay Area because the new law allowed you to do a prison term. Because I got a prison term and it allowed me to do a prison term in the county jail. Or actually, I could see my family more. My family could come see me. They don't have to worry about driving on on the other side of California to see me in prison. And um, But man, you know what? Honestly, I didn't like jail. I, I preferred, I mean, if I was going to be locked up at all, I would prefer prison. The reason why is because it's just, there's just a lot more respect in prison than there is in jail. And jail, there's just a bunch of knuckleheads and you, you actually have more chances to get caught up in some bullshit. But what I ended up doing is they ended up giving me um, a two year term. They wanted me to do it in, 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 uh, and oh, actually it was, yeah, it was a two year term. They wanted me to do it in, uh, while I was locked up. And, um, I mean, they wanted me to do it, uh, in, in the County. So what ended up happening is I was going to do prison time. So, and when, when you do County time, you do three quarters of the time. When you do prison time, you can get a half time for good behavior. So I was doing the prison term in there. So I would be able to get half time. But what the deal we made is my lawyer made a deal with the judge that how about if I go in, if I go into a program, if I go into a drug program, I can be released early into a halfway house, like a drug program house. And uh, if I agreed on would agree on that, then uh, I would be I would be at early release. So that's what they were talking about. So what ended up happening is we made the deal, we accepted the deal. I did my time and everything. I was doing my time in there until I was ready to be released to the program. And what happened is I send my son, this is where all the drama started. I send my son to Texas with my sister. My mom was pissed when I sent my son. My mom, my mom and dad love my, love my, love my son. So they, they, they wanted to keep him because they had him the whole time until my sister flew down and went to court. And I told my sister that I wanted her to take him to Texas. And, and this is the reason why. It's not because I didn't think my mom and dad could take care of him. It was pretty much because my mind was a lot different and I want my kids to be better than me. I don't want them to even step in one footstep that I have in my life. And the only thing I could, the only way I could do that is, is by allowing them to get their education. And so, yeah, my son's 11, you know, he, he, um, uh, I got in an argument with, with my parents because uh, they were arguing with me about um, them not being able to keep them. And then my brother got involved and they wanted to get a lawyer and fight with my sister about it. So there was like this kind of tug of war about my son, about who's going to keep my son and this and that. And what I, I tried to explain to my mom why the, 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 the logic behind it, but my mom didn't understand. My mom's old school. My mom and dad are old school. They just think about it as, oh, you just, you don't think that we could take care of them. And that was, that was not it. What it was is basically education. Okay. So my sister's, uh, um, did, 
like 15 years in the Air Force. Her husband did 20 years, just retired. Um, my nephew graduated college. I mean, he's he's really smart. He's he's like a marine biologist. He's he's really smart, dude. And and like they all have a good education, and they can help my son. And my parents, my parents, I already told you, my parents didn't have an education. They 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 got pulled from school in third grade, and they had to pick in the field. So it all goes so back to when you yeah. first told us in part one that, you know, it's not like <clears throat> it's, you know, it's not like my parents wouldn't, didn't want to be there to help me. It's that they couldn't. They couldn't. Another, so I, I'm sorry. Uh, another yeah, thing that, I mean, well, first of all, I, I, I kind of want to put a pin here because you mentioned how you saw the woman you were seeing at that time's face and how she looked like deaf. And she was there mm-hmm. with your runner. Were they yeah. there to testify against you? Because that's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking they sold you out. No. So now that we're on that. I'll, well, I'll I just to wanted that. to go back to that before I go to how I could understand well, you, that your parents felt kind of betrayed. But I want to, I just have that, you know, nagging question or, I mean, because you're like, hey, I made this deal. Well, was it because you knew the cards were stacked up against you by seeing that runner and the girl you were seeing at the time there at court? Yeah, I think, I think this is my thought. I think they were there because they wanted to see how much time I was going to get to see what I was going to do when I got out. Because I found out that she had got busted and. Uh, I guess they they were gonna they were t- gonna take the kid her kid whatever and uh, so she set me up and um, that's pretty much why she was able to go free when we got busted together and um, I heard she had some shit on her too but they let her go and uh, I just heard a lot of shit dude and it and it all pointed towards this whole this whole uh, thought I had about about this and um, I don't know if she was um, working with him to get something going themselves or if they were worried about me getting out so soon. I don't know what it is, but, um, when my family saw her, my family, my family hated her, dude. I mean, really, but I kind of like, I was in a fog and I didn't pay attention to my family. They told me about what they thought of her and that's just, uh, what happened. You know, it's, it's like, I felt like, um, she set me up. Because it's weird because they knew exactly where to go to grab everything. They went right to it. They didn't kind of like fiddle around and discover it. They knew exactly where to go to get everything, dude. So the only person that knew that was her and one of my tight friends. That's that's another reason why I know, dude. So My next question crazy. is, do you think she was having an affair with that runner? Oh, most likely. Probably. I mean... She was a dope girl, dude. I mean, she was like my lady, but she was a dope girl. And that, that makes it more kind of uh, embarrassing and that makes it more... Um, was the sex that good for you that you stayed blind or were you so doped up that it didn't matter? No, I was just so doped up, dude. I mean, I, I was. she was young. I was doped up. I was just kind of like... Like I said, I at that point within these last two years before I got in trouble, you know, got locked up, whatever, my music became secondary 
when all my life to this point, my music was always in the forefront. Even though I did my drug thing and I got in trouble and everything, I'd always come hit music again. I would never stop. But this la these la this last this last year or so, I let the drugs take over, the dilling dope take over, and I kind of like relaxed on the music a little bit. I kind of put it secondary, and I just. I got more in the fog, dude. I mean, more in the fog than I have ever gotten, dude. And uh, I made the decision to just change everything up, dude, and change my life. And and uh, and that's what that's what I did, dude. I mean, that law kept me in the in the county, so my family was able to see me. Um, what ended up happening is I I uh, I got I got released from the program. Oh well, let me tell you about the. Uh, uh, my sister now, what happened about yeah, that? Cause your parents. We were talking about yeah. my parents. Okay, yes. so when I was locked up, I would call my parents and I had this plan on how my mom and dad could take care of... I had some stash set, set aside and I was trying to tell my dad where it was so, she, so he can take care of them. My dad did not want anything from me because everything coming from me was dirty, right? Because you know I was a dope dealer, so anything that I might have ha is is attached to dope. So he hung up on me, and um, I was pissed off. He hung up on me. I kept on calling back. They wouldn't answer my calls. My, my like I said, my brother, my brother was getting the lawyer. Uh, him and my mom were about to take my sister to court. My sister, my, every time I've been in trouble, my sister's been always the one to get me a lawyer or get me legal help and pay for everything to take care of me. Me and my sister are really tight, dude. And it's like my sister, my sister basically said this, look, my brother said he wants me to take care of Gabriel while he's, he's locked up. So that's exactly what I'm going to do. And if you guys want to take me to court, I have a lot of money to fight back if that's what you want to do. So that's really how bad it got until I was finally able to talk to my mom and talk, Tell my mom the truth. I was able to tell my mom, Mom, I know you love him. And I know you guys would do anything for him. But this is about education. And I explained to her about her past, about my about my past, about me going to the school, about not wanting him to follow the same footsteps as me or and, and, and giving him the opportunity to uh, to strive and, uh, and get the education he needs because uh, we don't need to go, you know, on a broken record, we don't need to repeat the same thing over and over with his life. And my mom, you know, she finally understood, thank God. And my sister picked him up, took him to Texas. And I ended up, uh, I had gave her all power of attorney to where she can make every legal decision. And our deal was when I get out and I'm done with the program, she signs everything back over to me. So she basically had full custody, legal and physical custody. I had no no custody at all of him at all. So I basically gave her gave him up to her, and she gave him right back to me when I got out, and I straightened everything out. So, so when I did get out, they put me in a a a home in San Jose. It was called um, Vida Nueva, and uh, it's on the east side. And I remember. I remember getting out and calling the counselor. Her name was Rosie Chavez. Man, she she did wonders for me, dude. She, when I got out, she was supposed to pick me up. So um, I had called her 
And she asked me where I was at. I was at the bus stops across the street from, uh, from Elmwood and, uh, in Milpitas. And, uh, I, I asked her, I go, is it okay if, if I go over there myself? Like, you don't have to come pick me up. Could, could I just, I was just happy to be out and free, you know? Could I just go by myself over there? And she said, yeah, you got two hours. In two hours, if I don't show up, she reports it and I get picked up and I go back and my whole, I got to do the rest of my time. So. Why did you want to so, go by yourself? I, I don't understand. Because I, because I just kind of like, I was happy that I was free. Okay. I was, I was strong in, in the decisions I, I make. I, I, I just felt like I, I just wanted to be alone for a minute because I was, I was never alone in there. I just wanted to be alone. And I just wanted to think about in my mind, what kind of plan do I have? What kind of plan? What do I do next? And I, I didn't want to uh, get picked up and just get right into the program. I just wanted some time to think for myself. And what exactly did you do with that time? Did you walk there? Did you take a bus? What exactly did I, you do? I walked, I walked to the trolley and I took the trolley over there and I just kind of looked, enjoyed everything outside. I just kind of thought about, um, I called, I, I, well, I collect called my sister and I told her that, um, I was out and I let her know. I, I talked to my son and, um, he already knew everything that was going on and everything. And, um, other than that, I, I just thought about what my game plan was going to be. And at that point, I was thinking, even when I was in those classes, I was thinking, when I get out, I want to make a difference. I want to make a difference somehow. Not not just... So I, what I was thinking about doing, I was thinking about going to school and becoming a, 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 a drug and alcohol counselor, right? So... Now that's, that's what I was, that was, that was what was in my mind. You know, I'm, everything's fresh. My, my mind is clear. Um, and you know, 2011, you know, was the last time I did any kind of dope. It was already, it was 2012 because of the deal I got. And I remember I got out in January. I went to the program in January and I was supposed to stay in the program till April of 2012. So I went to the program. I did, I did all the thinking about trying to make a plan on what I wanted to do. I wanted to go to school. That's what, what my plan was. I didn't think anything about music. Music was like the last thing that I needed to worry about. Cause at that point I was kind of starting to think that music, you know, cause how we said about fucking sex, drugs and rock and roll. I was kind of thinking, well, fuck, maybe music is, is, um, part of this drug thing. And I, I, if I do music and maybe I'll start doing drugs again, maybe it's a trigger, right? I started thinking about it kind of like that. I had thoughts like that. So when I got to the home, they checked me in. Um, she just told me that uh, I have so many days there and then I have to go out and look for a job because I have to, I got to pay. I got to pay, pay rent there. And um, so I had to look for, I had to go out and look for a job. And um, so what I did this is the crazy thing about it. This is going to be really crazy. Nobody knew I was out. I mean, other than my family, my close family, nobody knew, knew I was out. And so I went down to the, uh, I went down to the welfare department because I had to go get some kind of aid to help me until I found a job. Right. So I went down and, uh, it was on center road in San Jose. And this is, this is fucking crazy. What are the chances, dude? I walk into the fucking welfare office 
I, I get my ticket. I'm standing in line. Well, I'm, I'm actually sit down. And all of a sudden, um, I pick my head up. And I turn over. I, t- I turn to my right. And this girl looks at me and has a big smile on, my fa- on her face. And she runs and gives me a hug. And I, I look and I go, what the fuck? She hugged me. And she goes, oh, my God, I can't believe you're out. It was my ex. The one that it was, was my, there. That looked the one like, that set me up. Okay, death. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I was like, fuck, dude. The first thing I, the first thing that came into my mind was temptation. Now, how do I, how am I going to do with temptation? And what did she do? And I, I kind of like went, I kind of went with it for a second. Then I pulled back and it said, I'm out of here. And I just said, I got to go. I, I, I can't talk to you. I didn't say anything negative to her about what happened. I didn't blame her for, for supposedly setting me up because I didn't really know the truth, but everything pretty much 99.9% probably was the truth. But of course she's going to act like it's not and, and uh, act like, you know, nothing, nothing big deal about it, you know? So she goes, Oh, you know what? Who's been asking you for a lot? And she said some guy's name and, and I go, yeah. And she goes, yeah, he's outside. So I went outside and this is the part that I shouldn't have done. I walked outside. I could have just said, I'm cool. I'm cool. I don't, I, I, you know, I don't, I don't really want to, don't want to see him right now, whatever. But I went outside and when I went outside, she's like, Oh my God, look who got out. And he's like, Whoa, what's up? Right. So he gets out of his car and as he's getting out of the car, he's putting the glass pipe down. So I see the dope. And then right when I seen that, I go, you know what? I got to go inside. Cause they're probably going to call my name. I go, I'll, I'll hit you up later. I'll talk to you guys later. And I just went inside. And I went inside and I was like, fuck, dude. The first place I go to when I get out of jail, other than checking into the home, I have to see this fucking hoe. You know what I mean? And I have to see these fucking guys and they're all fucking with the dope. They're just smoking dope in the parking lot. I mean, I don't even know what the fuck she was there for, but all I got to say is when I got back, to the home, I told Rosie what, it, what what I went through, and she's like, "Dude, you went through the first your first uh, thing of temptation." She goes, "How do you feel about it?" And I go, "I feel strong. I feel strong. I feel confident. I let myself go out there, but when I seen what I saw, I felt I just need to scoot away from this because this this just ain't me anymore. This just ain't me. So." What I ended up doing is I got really deep in the program. Um, I ended up getting a, a little job. It was like a part-time job because um, I was trying to, you know, finish the program and everything, but I had to make some sort of money. So what ended up happening is they had meetings, like they had NA meetings like once a week, like probably like twice a week. And different, you know, we had it was mandatory that we sat in the NA meetings and they were in, actually in the living room and, People from outside areas can come to the NA meetings because they're open. NA meetings are open to everybody. So people from the outside would come in NA meetings. And I started, I, I was going to, at the same time as I was uh, doing NA meetings there, I was going to classes that were done by the, by Elmwood. I, there were mandatory classes. I had to go to, uh, you know, for a few hours in the daytime, Monday through Friday. 
And then uh, what I would do is I would do, work a little bit on the weekend. And so Monday through Friday, I would go to the classes of jail. So everybody in the classes that they were from the jail, I would invite them to the NA meetings at my house. So then I had a bunch of my friends there that were all going through the same kind of shit. You know, we do the NA meetings and then I got, I got really into it more, you know, with my mind, thought and consciousness. And I would explain that. I would explain that to, to people in the NA meetings to let them know that I'm, I respect the NA uh, meetings and I respect the way you guys are going about it, but I have a different way, a different way that I think is, you know, changing the way you think, you know, and, uh, following your, uh, your, uh, purity inside your, inside you, you know, and, and helping that guy, letting that guide you. And, uh, anybody here can stop doing, I mean, anybody could stop doing drugs at any time. The only the only people I say that wouldn't be able to stop doing drugs at any time is if you've done sh- drugs so much in your life that where it affects your mental state. Like, you know, it actually takes over your brain and like, you know, it doesn't allow you to make your own choices anymore. But other than that, if you're a regular uh, drug addict, you could stop by the drop of the dime. That's a bunch of bullshit. But the, the truth is, this is the real truth about, about drugs, dude, is, you can tell somebody that they need to change their life till they're blue in the face, but you will never ever help them until they're willing to help themselves. Because if you're not willing to change, then nothing's going to ever change. It's going to always be that way, dude. And I, I realized that. And I, I really realized that dude. And, and like, you know, I started, what I started doing is I started, I started having my own any meeting there. I started running the meetings there. Because remember my plan, my plan was to become a drug counselor, alcohol and drug counselor. So I started running the meetings there and I started, then, then after, after running the meetings, they asked me, uh, um, when I, when I did finally graduate, I graduated in April of 2012. I got my certificates and everything, but I finished the program. I went to court. The judge released me officially. And the, all, the, the, the sweetest thing about this deal it's usually when you when you do a prison term, when you get out, you're on parole. Well, my term, my lawyer, my lawyer asked for, if I do the program, she also asked for, if I come out and do the program, that when I get completely out of the program, no parole, no probation. So I was completely, absolutely 100% free, dude. When I got out, I was able to go wherever I wanted to. So I got out and... I remember my cousin picked me up and I moved to, uh, Sananella, Sananella. I went to stay with my cousin for a while until I was able to get a job and get on my feet and then, you know, do all that. I have two questions. uh, Yeah. First question is what was the job that you got when you first got out? Like what was the part-time job? Oh, I was doing, I was doing a little side job with one of my friends where we would do like, um, siding or like, you know, just anything construction. It was okay. just like jobs here, jobs there. You know, it was just okay. like anything he'd come up with. He needed help her. I make some extra cash. And you know? the state was, was okay much... with that, right? They were okay with you doing side jobs. Yeah, because there. because uh, at at a certain point, you were only able to do it when they gave you passes. They would give you weekend passes, and if it had to do with the job, and they had proof and everything about the job, then you were able to do it. But if it was just like a pass to do whatever you wanted to, you had to go through so many weeks. Uh, in lockdown, kind of in the house, just staying around the house, whatever, or you have to pair with somebody to go out. 
but if it had to do with the job, they would give you permission for that. As long as you have proof of what you're doing and they have contact numbers and everything, then you're able to do that. So that's pretty much how that works. But yeah, dude, I mean, um, it's like, um, yeah, so I, still I have went a second to Santa question, Nala. Man, I'm sorry. Yeah, no, so, nice. so the second question is like, you took over the NA meetings. Mm-hmm. No one felt weird about that. Like there was no, no pushback. No, no, there was no pushback because see what, okay. So this is what I did. I forgot to tell you. Okay. So when I, when I did leave, because I was running the NA meetings and when I did leave the Rosie had at, Rosie and them had asked me, um, I think it was, it was Rosie or Richard. I think it was Richard and them. They asked me if I could come and be part of the staff on the weekends, Right. So, I agree why? To that. Like, what did you do to impress them so much? Like, honestly, uh, right off the honestly, bat, be, 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 before you start, I want to say there is strength in that. There's strength that the fact that I know. you got tempted and you walked away. Then the second yeah. strength is you had no probation. So you yeah. could have easily turned around. Exactly. Exactly. And, and see, Rosie and every, all, the, all the managers of the house saw how strong I was and they saw how dedicated to my sobriety, I was. And they, they saw everything. And I always helped. I was always on time. I always did everything and more. I went over. I mean, a lot of those, uh, I don't want to put anybody like, in a fucked up situation or say anything fucked up about some. But there was, some, there was a lot of people that were there just there to finish their time and go. And then get back to their doing their same shit again. Is and it? You could, I could spot those people out from, from miles away. Because why? Because I was one of them. Exactly. Dude. That's my next them. question, because where yeah. was that David in '93? Where was that David in '95? Uh, exactly. Where was that David in '97? Yep. Where was that David in 2002? Where was that's that how guy? I, yeah, that's how I knew I was different, dude. That's how I knew I was different because I could spot that shit from a mile away, and I would make comments or say different things to let them know that what what they what they're trying to do is all bad, and 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 there's only two places that you could end up. I mean, you could end up dead or you could end up in jail, dude. Seriously. Or fucking uh, your, your brain's gone. You know what I mean? So who wants that, dude? That's why I, I, when I, that's why when I talk to my son and I, 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 talk to him, I talk to him about drugs, I talk to him about everything, I tell him, whenever you're going to make a decision, any decision, you think about the, the, uh, the, 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 uh, the righteous thing about that decision you're about to make, and also, what are the bad things about it? And weigh them out. And you, then you make your decision. You don't just make a decision because you think right off the top it's not a big deal or to try this or try that. No, no. You ask yourself that question. What, what, is, what is the good you're going to get out of it? And what's the bad you're going to get out of it? And which one, which one outweighs? Seriously. And, and if I think about drugs, especially man-made drugs, I mean, there's weed, you know, weed, they, you know, they have medical thing for it for it now, and it's all medical. But when you talk about man-made drugs, you know, crank, meth, PCP, acid, all that man-made shit. What positive thing can you get out of it? It's not like you know what I mean. There's nothing positive about it. And this is the same thing I think about cigarette smoke, dude. Smoking cigarettes. I mean, stuff like that. All that stuff I did, I cut it all completely out, dude. I mean. Cold turkey and people ask me to this day, dude, how the fuck did you do that? Mind, thought, and consciousness, dude. 
the purity inside you gives you the power to change the way you think, dude. If you just change the way you think, dude, you could stop doing a lot of bad things. Okay, honestly. so hold on. So if, <clears throat> let's just say back in 1995, if someone was to walk up to you and tell you about mind, thought, and consciousness, you're, you would have, it would have dawned on you then? Is it really no. this principles or is it the fact that you were ready to do that at that time? It may, I mean, it may have been a combination of both, okay. but you know what? But the, but if it wasn't a combination, if it didn't have the three principles in it, I don't know if I would have changed. To tell you the truth. I don't know. And it wasn't anything that they taught in the class because there's really not, if, if you look up the three principles, mind, thought and consciousness, and, and, and you listen to what's, what's, his, what's his name? His name's Sydney. He's from I think Australia. If you if you look up mind thought and consciousness, and you just listen to what they're talking about, there's really nothing. It's all about like living in the now, and like not allowing like how they say, "Oh, you get me mad but when you do this. You get me mad." Nobody can get you mad. You you get you get mad yourself. You allow yourself to get mad. So. It's, it's about control, about having control of your life, dude, having control of, of what you do, you know, of your thoughts. If you control your thoughts, then you don't have to worry about actions because your, your thoughts, controlling your thoughts can put you in the right direction if you allow it to, you know? So it's just really, it's really deep shit. If you look up that stuff, if you go on YouTube and you look up Mind, Thought, and Consciousness, you'll get a lot of clarity or Google it. You get a lot more clarity on it. But I mean, like I said, it wasn't a class. It was just me realizing. And once I realized it, like you, you said, if, if I wouldn't have got that information, would I be where I'm at now? I don't know. I'm on the fence with that. But just getting that, not so much knowledge, but getting that understanding that I can understand myself and control my life, really control my life. And it's just weird because it's so simple, dude. It's just so simple. You can control your life, dude. Really, you can. And I understand it now. And see, going forward, this is what this is how I live. Can you do me a favor? No, there's, can you yeah. can you pretend that you're speaking to someone because there's someone out there listening that's gonna hear this who's who's going through struggling through substance abuse. And when you say, ah, it's real simple, it's going to piss them off. It's going to offend them. You know, it's, it, they're going to get pissed because they feel it's not that simple. Can you break it down to me as if I'm that person listening and tell me how it's simple? Because if I'm deep in substance abuse and I do want to change, but I'm all fogged up looking like death, hearing you say it's simple would just, you know, make me defensive. It'd piss me off. So can you take this time and break it down to me? Well, okay. What I could say is this. If you're on dope and you're on dope every day, nine out of 10 times when you're on dope, and this is, this is, this is the, the real truth. Nine out of 10 times when you're on dope and anybody tells you anything positive, it's hard for you to get clarity out of it because like you said, you're in the fog. Now, remember, when I got clarity on this, I wasn't in the fog anymore. I was sober. So the first thing you need to do 
in order to even attempt to listen and understand is you need to clear your mind and detox and get off the dope and get to a sober point. When you get to the sober point, then what you need to do is you need to think about what I said about, you know, um, about being a child, about the purity inside you and about, um, remember when a child, uh, child doesn't know the, the, the horrible ways of the world until they get older and they start picking up this and that and that and this, then they end up uh, create, being guided in a certain direction, allowing their mind to um, grab the dirty shit. You know what I mean? And then we, we it's like uh, we wibble away so far from that purity that as adults, our minds are twisted away from the, the light. And there's the lights covered up so much through our whole life of the world that it's hard to break through that and get back to it. But you just need to live in the now, as long as you live in the now and don't worry about what happened yesterday and don't let people around you upset you try to control your thoughts and, and realize that you are in complete control of yourself and the decisions you make, it's, it's, it's not, I say it's easy because I've realized it. So I could tell you over and over that it's easy, like, like how you just mentioned, but until that person out there that's listening, until that person realizes that they have the power, that's all I can say. You have to realize it yourself. It's, it's, I can't make you realize it. You have to realize it yourself. I'm just telling you my experience on what I felt and how I live my life now. And out there, whoever's listening, once you understand it and realize it yourself, then you would have done what you needed to do for yourself completely. And that's why I said, also check out Mind, Thought, and Consciousness. And it's not really for clarity. It's just for helping you realize some people get it like that and some people need to listen more to, you know, everything, you know, they're to the, listen to themselves, dude. And, and it's just all about understanding. It, it may sound confusing, but it's really not. Once you get it, you get it. Ladies you and gentlemen, me? I really want you, for those that are feeling whatever they're feeling or where they're at, pause it here. Do what you got to do to check that out. I'm going to break right now to give the audience okay. just a break. And we're back. Yeah. Hey, yeah. So um, when I left the house, when I left the home and I, I uh, they wanted me to come back and, and, and you know, do um, help the staff out. So I was basically one of the staff. So, I was coming back for a while because what I was doing is I was setting up classes to go. Remember I said about the drug and alcohol. I was setting that up and I was going to the schools. I had to do some general ed and everything. And um, for some reason, it, I, lived in, I lived in Santa Ana, So going to San Jose, it wasn't easy, you know, trying to do that. I wasn't on parole or, or, or probation, but I was going back and forth. And then I ended up, you know, 
after a while, I ended up, you know, um, not doing the staff thing anymore. I ended up focusing on living over here and trying to find a job. And then what one of my friends that I was talking to started telling me about Facebook. Okay. I didn't have no profile or anything on Facebook. Um, I had never been on Facebook before. This is, uh, 2012. It was actually May, 2012. And, um, they told me, yeah, make a Facebook, you know, you could, uh, find a bunch of old friends. And I was like, well, you know what? I don't know if it's a good idea for me to find a bunch of old friends because a lot of my old friends, uh, they're not really doing the kind of stuff that I'm doing. I go, but you know what? Maybe I could find some of my friends out there, some family out there. Right. So I, I created a profile. Like I think it was like June. I created a profile and I was on Facebook for a couple of weeks. And then, uh, I ran into um, to some girl I knew from Yore from back in the day. I used to hang out with the brother. And as a matter of fact, I was in 95, I was locked up with the brother. I hadn't seen him for a long time. And I saw him in San Quentin and I was like, well, I haven't seen you for a long time. What's up? Right. And uh, so I was tripping out because uh, I was talking to her. I, I hadn't seen her for a long time. And I was like, oh, this is cool. Right. We started talking back and forth. And she was telling me that um, coincidence was crazy. And she was telling me that um, she's uh, living in Los Banos. And that's like probably like 10, 15 minutes away from, uh, from, um, from Santa Nella. So at that, at that point, um, I was going, I was going to, I told her, well, you know what? I'll, I'll hit you back when I get back because I'm going to Texas. So I, I, in June, I went to go pick up my son in Texas, right? So I had to get all my shit together and get everything prepared to, to go get my son. Okay. So now with my son, um, I was, I was still talking to this girl and I was just telling her about, you know, what was going on with me and, and that I was going to Texas to go get my son and, and this and that. And, uh, you know, that I would, I would hit her back and I, I kept in contact with her, but we've, we, we were, we've known each other for a long time. So it was cool, but I went to Texas to get my son and, uh, my son was uh, 12, already 12, right? So uh, this was already, he was, so he was already in, in his eighth school, junior high, eighth school. So I picked him up and I swore to myself, I said, okay, I look at everything in a different way now. I'm going to focus on my son. I'm going to focus on stabilizing him because he's never been stable his whole life. I mean, he's been stable with a stable home, but he's never been stable like as far as bouncing to the school over here, bouncing to the school here. Like in San Jose, I, I lived in one place, but he went to like four different schools. Morgan Hill, he went to two different schools. Then I moved to Manteca. He lived he went to a school over there. Then I got in trouble. Then he went to school in Texas. Now I'm picking him up and I'm like, my sister's like, Are you ready for this? I'm like, I'm ready, dude. I I, I missed my son. I gave him a big hug and a kiss. And he was surprised because he didn't know I was coming. We had planned for him, for him not to don't know when I was getting out. He didn't know anything. I just showed up and he was, first thing he did is he seen me and he just started crying, dude. And it just made me break down because I just thought about like, fuck. Like everything that I put my whole family through, my, my son, I mean, just everything, dude. And how far I came to get him, you know, to have custody of him and then lose him and have that chance to, to get him back, you know? And, um, 
Did you ever so, doubt yourself to pick them up or you knew you were going to no, pick them up no matter what? No, I, I knew I, I was determined. I mean, other than me understanding and, and realizing he was just another piece of motivation for me, dude, to something to live for. I mean, he, he was, he had to be my number one. He was my number one dude. And so I told him that many times. I mean, when, when, when I was a kid, my dad never told me he loved me, dude. And I tell my son, even to this day, dude, my son's 20. I tell him I love him all the time. And I always give him a hug and a kiss. Since he was a kid to now, I still do the same thing. I always tell him I love him. So I, br- I brought him home. We were staying with my cousin. And, um, you know, we spent, I spent a lot of time with him. And we, I put him in school. He was going to school in Gustine. So basically that's uh, his ninth school. Can we talk about, so, like, was it, did it continue just like without missing a beat? Like, it was, there was no weird adjustment? There was nothing? No, no, nothing. And that's what's, that's what's so amazing, dude. That's what's so amazing about me realizing. That's why I'm saying it's so powerful, dude. I'm so powerful for myself, dude. That's, that's what it was so amazing. And every other time in my whole life, I could never do what I was doing now. Never. Never. I could never do what I was doing now. Okay, so I put him in school. Um, I started talking to that girl. She started coming. She met my cousin. She started coming around, and we started going for walks around the neighborhood. Everything was peaceful, you know, going to walks around the neighborhood. She, she, uh, she met my son. Um, finally, I started uh, going to her house, and she lived with, she was staying with her son because she had got it out of a relationship that she was in uh, for nine years and she had got out of that relationship. So she was just out of a relationship and I was just fresh out of, uh, out of, you know, doing time. And, uh, we started talking, we started seeing each other. We got together. Um, dude, I swear, like we got together. we started seeing each other like in June of 2012. It is. <laughs> This is crazy because if, if you think if you think about if you think of my about my whole life, any any go, um, Angie would probably tell you this. Uh, 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 Renee's uh, wife, she probably does this. Typical David. Okay, okay. So check this girl. Check this out. So I'm with this girl in like June. Okay, and and uh, she gets pregnant in August. <laughs> she gets pregnant in August, and 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 I mean, people would probably think like. Fuck, Did you dude, not really? believe in protection or? Uh, let's put it this way. I was, I was feeling this girl. I was really feeling this girl. And okay. yeah, I, I know I didn't think about protection. So this is throw it <laughs> out the window. Okay. So, <laughs> okay. 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 So, so she gets pregnant. Uh-huh. Okay. Then what do we do? Me and her, we get a pad in Los Banos. Okay. And we move in together in September. Like everything just went bam, dude. But that also means that your son will be going to his 10th different school, right? Exactly. So he went to his 10th school 
Los Banos Middle School, right? Mm-hmm. I'm still trying to do the stability thing, right? But I'm confident and I'm strong and I, and I, 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 I know what, what I want to do. And, okay, so me and her, I mean, you might think, oh, that's a short time. You, you know, you got pregnant. Now you guys are living together. Okay, so my lady's pregnant and everything, right? Okay, so we go through this whole thing where I'm not working for a while. Finally, I get a job and everything starts going, right? We move out of the house. We move into a different house. I don't have to move them from schools. Okay, we, we went from 2012 to, we're jumping from 2012 to 2014. We move into our, our, our next house, okay? So I don't have to move them from schools because they only have one junior high school here. Right. So my son actually, he has stability now, right? And now it gets to the point where he's going to go to high school. So he basically, we have made him stable, but there's something that happened. 2012, we decided, I asked, I asked her to marry me. And 2013, March 3rd, 2013, we got married. She was pregnant when, when, uh, she was basically eight months pregnant. And people, people will probably think, fuck, dude, I did everything backwards. Uh, you know, I did everything backwards. Yeah, but you know what? I know what I wanted, dude. And I had never been married in my life. I completely changed my life. She became my rock. Yeah. Well, real quick, quick question. Now, your last relationship prior to her, you were dating someone almost 20 years younger than you, right? Mm-hmm. What's the age gap between you and your wife now? A year and a half. The proof's in the pudding right there, right? Yeah, exactly. I'm just saying. A year and a half. Different, yeah. It's way, way. I mean, so so much more mature maturity and so much more uh, on the same page. Um, we were on the same page then, me and my ex, but except it was a dope page. You know what I mean? <laughs> that's so that's it, really it, a page that you know. It, exactly. It's, 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 it's like anybody, any could anybody can be on that shit. So, so we got married. You know, um, I could honestly say uh, we're already we've been married for seven years already. Congratulations! Thank you. Seven years. Okay, so my son went to high school, and the only thing I got into my son's mind, and I, I constantly would talk to him about focus about is school focus in school dude i i told him everything about me not only did i tell him everything i broke down every everything that everything that i broke down to you about my whole life i broke down to him and every time he'd ask me a question well dad so when this was happening is that what you were doing yes that's what i was doing it got so bad, dude. It got so bad that, I mean, I don't even know if I said this, but it got so bad that I would take his game system into a hotel, plug it up to the TV, and while he's playing games, me and my girl would go in the bathroom and get loaded. It was fucking bad, bro. And thank God I'm in this now. This is who I am now. I thank God where I'm where I'm at because there's a lot of people you know, that, you know, 
are, are not in this situation to where they're at the point where I was, there's a lot of people still doing this shit. And, and you know, it's like my wife, dude, she don't tolerate drugs. She don't tolerate any of that. She's straight up, you know? Um, I don't even know if I should say my wife's name, but there's a lot of people out there that know who my wife is. Um, so I'll, I'll kind of just leave it at that. But my focus was telling my son, I told him everything that I've done in my life, dude, everything. I, there's not one thing I kept away from. I talk, I mean, talk about stories. And, and speaking of stories, I, I just want to jump back real quick because <clears throat> maybe this will give you clarity on how much of a change this is for me. I mean, and who, if anybody's out there listening to what, what I'm, what I'm saying is, or maybe went to the same situation. I remember when I was doing, when I was holding my meetings, I would get up. Um, I would be the last one to speak before the meeting was over. And I would tell them stories about how, how my life is different now and what my life was like before. And I will tell you this one story and it involves, it involves your brother. And I'm going to tell you like this, and this is just really crazy. This is when I realized that I was getting out of control, but I just wasn't ready yet. But this is just another reason of why I appreciate my life so much more now and how my thoughts are now compared to then. Now, I went to your brother's one time and I I picked up I picked up some shit, right? And uh I was doing I was doing shit in, in the carport where he lived at. And this shit was like super, super duper charger, crazy kind of shit, right? I did this, I did this one big fat rail. And I remember the feeling inside me, I was like, boom, just like, I just had this feeling. I was in Gilroy and I had this feeling. I just told your brother, I just go, dude, I got a jam. And we're supposed to watch a fight, dude. I mean, it was like five o'clock in the afternoon and the fight was going to start at six. We're supposed to watch the fight. Had a couple people over, and I go, dude, I got a jam. He goes, what? I go, I got a jam. He's like, what do you mean you got a jam? I go, I just did some shit right now, and I got to get the fuck out of here. He's like, dude, fuck, are you serious? I go, yeah, I got to go later. And I jumped in my car, and I took off, right? I had these sacks, sacks of dope on me. Okay, I take off to San Jose. I had my own spot in San Jose. Okay, I went out to my friend's house in downtown San Jose. I was fucking partying over there drinking fucking doing more lines fucking just getting all fucked up i got home about two in the morning it was probably like two three in the morning and then uh i got in my house and i had this big old fat sack on me big old fat sack and i lived in a one bedroom like like it had like a bedroom area and it had a kitchen like the bedroom was a living room bedroom and the living room then there was a kitchen it was like a little it was in the back of a house down a long driveway and if you go down the long driveway, you get into my house by the, there's a side door, right? You just knock on my door and there's a kitchen and then the living room and bathroom. Okay. So I'm just explaining that landscape to you so you can understand where I'm going with this now. So I'm sitting there listening to music, uh, um, um, you know, doing, uh, doing more dope, whatever. It gets hella late. It's like four or four thirty in the morning, and then I go, okay, I need to quiet it down. Not like I was making a lot of noise, but I need to quiet it down. And I got in my blanket, and I'm just trying to. I go, I just need to go to sleep because I don't want to be off up to tomorrow. So I'm I'm 
my as a matter of fact, my son was supposed to come the next day because this was back a while, and uh, my first son it was pretty much like that, I think. And I can't remember exactly that whole situation, but I, I the story is just the only story that just makes me trip out, dude. So everything's quiet. I put the TV on really low and I'm just sit, like laying there until I get tired and I fall asleep. Okay. All of a sudden I hear the TV on, remember I put the TV on really low. I heard it. I heard the TV and I, I, I hear talking. I hear talking. And I'm like, fuck, what the fuck is that? Somebody's talking. I'm hearing talking, dude. All of a sudden I hear something going, like like a fucking helicopter bro like a fucking helicopter and i'm like oh fuck right and then i hear like i remember it, it was four o'clock in the morning over the next two hours i'm hearing this shit and i'm getting more paranoid and more paranoid i'm hearing talking i'm hearing helicopters and then i'm all of a sudden i hear leaves on the outside of my door like i hear i'm hearing footsteps so I get fucking scared, dude. And I fucking, I'm running around in my house. And my house is small. It's like like a studio, right? I'm running around in circles in my house, like figuring out what the fuck am I going to do with my dope? I got to do something with my dope. I put it under the rug. There's a big old lump hanging up there. You know, you, know, you can't put it under the, under the, under the rug. I got to figure out what I'm going to do. I put it on my pillow. No, the first thing I'm going to do is search my mattresses, search my pillows. They're going to search my pockets. They're going to search everywhere that I can think of that they're going to search. They're going to search everything in here because the place is small. I'm fucking scared, dude. I hear leaves by my door. I hear some kind of noise going by the door, and I'm thinking they got this fucking batter ram, and they're gonna fucking knock my door in any minute. Out the helicopters out there, and the fucking I hear talking. I hear the whispering. I fucking get my shit. I flush it down the toilet, okay. And then what do I do? I run in. I jump on my bed and I cover myself, and I'm just hiding under my blankets, dude. And then after a while, I fall asleep, like. I fall asleep. I go to sleep. I wake up about, I don't know, like 11 or 12 in the afternoon. I only slept like maybe four or five, maybe four or five hours maybe. I got up and the first thing I do, I, I got up is I looked outside the window because I had the window and then, then there's my door. There's only one window and I didn't see anything and, I, and I, the first thing I thought to myself was, fuck, dude. All of a sudden I hear, you know what that was? No. That was my fucking refrigerator, dude. It was my fucking refrigerator. I opened the door to my house, and the, the landlord lives in the house in the front. And she's all, oh, good morning, David. I'm sorry, did I make a lot of noise? Because I was sweeping out here this morning. That's hilarious. Oh, you were? And she's like, yeah. And I fucking flushed all my dope down the toilet. Oh, and you the, that? no, I didn't tower that. But <laughs> okay, I was yeah, you were asking <laughs> so, her. You made me flush. I was thinking that. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was thinking that. So when I tell people the story, people are like, "I mean, it's a crazy story." Well, dude. Why do you look out the window first? Were you afraid that if you peeked, I was afraid bust? that I was afraid they were going to see me and they were going to put that spotlight from the helicopter in my light, my window, dude. Either way, you still have time to flush it if they did that or not. It doesn't matter, dude. I was just fucking paranoid, bro. That's, that's how that's how bad I was, bro. That's how bad I was, dude. So, and you know what? Yeah. I tell I tell my son this story, and I tell him about what drugs do to you, 
and I answered every question possible about anything he wanted to know. I didn't hold anything back. And you know what? My son right now, my son, he graduated high school because I made it a point to push him and push him. And it, even if I didn't have the education that he was getting, I would get on, thank God for Google, I would get on Google and I'll get him the answer for whatever he needs. And I'll read whatever I need to do to help him in any way I can. And I did do that. And you know what? Ultimately, I put him, since he was a freshman, I put him in tackle football. And all, even growing up, when since he was eight years old, I always put him in football. I always put him in sports. I always kept him in sports the whole time. Sports, homework. He always had that home life where he had everything like a routine and everything. I never broke his routine. We moved and moved and moved, but I kept, I tried to keep his routine going as much as I could. And in the high school, finally, junior high in high school, me and my wife were able to stabilize him. My wife helped me tremendously, dude. I mean, a hundred percent, dude. And he, he went through, he played tackle football all four years of, of high school. He, uh, did the work programs where they would get credit for working. Uh, he graduated high school. He got himself a job. He got it. He's, he's, he's going to college. He was going to college for, um, to be out of, this is crazy right here. He originally wanted to go to the military. Then he changed his mind. I go, you know what? You're young. You find what you, what you find what is meant for you, but you need to stay focused on your future and set your future up before you, before you get anything else around, around you, you need to focus on your future. Set yourself up so that when you find your, find your 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 uh, partner you're, you're you're set up whenever you have your family you're set up don't do it like me living paycheck to paycheck because my dope my dope's come my, my dope money's gone I, I don't i didn't have the kind of skill that you can get right now dude you have to go for it i don't care about me anymore dude i i i need you to focus on you and focus on i'm my focus is on you I'm living for you. Everything's about you now. So he he wanted to go to the to, uh, military. Then he changed his mind. And then what tripped me out is he decided that he wanted to be a narcotics officer. <laughs> I tell I tell my family about that, and they just go, "Isn't that fucking crazy? Isn't that crazy? He wants to do the opposite than what you did." And I go, "Good." That's what I wanted to do. Well, now he he decided that he's he's gonna take some time out from that. And this is what he comes up to me and tells me. And this goes back to my dad. My dad telling me this. My dad told me this when I was uh, a teenager and really into music. He comes to me and says, "Dad, okay, so this is just recently. I mean, he was uh, 18, 19. He comes up to me and says, Dad." I know what, uh, no, he was 19. I'm sorry, 19. Yeah, because he was already in Hold on, man. Hold on, hold on. You're missing a big, important thing in this story. Hmm. Something that I think it's important. And what I think is important is, you said you wanted to be a drug and rehab counselor. Mm -hmm. What happened to that? Where is that? Where are we? Well, what happened, what happened with that is I let go of that. I let go of that and it, I didn't let go of it because I didn't want to help anybody. I let go of it because of, I wasn't really, I was, I, 
honestly, I was into my family and I said, you know what? I took everything away from my son and having my son gone for a whole year. And I need to completely focus on my son, dude. And I, I, if me traveling from San Anala to San Jose, uh, day in, day out, three, four, four, four days a week is going to take away from my son and, and me having to be on him for about his education and everything about him. So that's pretty much why I stopped doing what I, I mean, if I want to do it, I could go back and do it now because he's graduated. But my whole point was I want to focus on him and I want to get him lined up. I want to get his mentality on the right track. And that's, and then I got married. I had my, I got married. I had my child, which I'll get to that right now. But um, that's pretty much what ended up happening is that that, that big thing that I was going to do, I decided it wasn't about me anymore. It was about my son, dude, because I didn't, I didn't want to take away from him anymore. And that's pretty much it, what I aimed at. And I honestly can say I succeeded. And he's, man, dude, he's, me and him are so tight, dude. I mean, let's put it this way, dude. He does things around the house. Right now, he's homeschooling my, my little one right now because of this you know, pandemic that's going on. He's homeschooling my son right now. Monday through Friday, I'm taking care of him, but he's, he's uh, doing that. And, uh, you know, the schools are shut down right now, so he can't, he can't go to college. Like I said, he wanted to be a narcotics officer, but he decided when he came to me, he said, Dad, I want to do music. And I was like, Ooh, he wants to do music. Dude, I haven't done music since 2010. Right. I haven't done music since like 2010 and he wants to do music now. Right. So what am I going to do? The first thing I did was I argued with them and I said, what do you want to do music for? Explain to me why you want to do music. He says, because I love music. And I want to, I want to flow. I want to, okay. So do you know what you're doing? Like, or do I, do I need to teach you from scratch basically? And, uh, like, like a protege kind of like how I did with my partner, Briz from back in the day. And he says, well, I've been writing and he showed me what he's got, like some of it, what he's got. And I, I, I didn't, I didn't really pay attention. I just kind of like glanced through it real quick. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, um, all right. Well, you know what I need you to focus on. I need, I need you to focus on school. I need you to focus on school and what you need to do. So what he ended up doing, this is what he ended up doing. He ended up dropping out of school because he said he wanted to focus on music. So my thinking was, no, I don't want him to, I don't want him to get this lifestyle and, take it in the wrong direction. Even though, he, even though he knows the direction I took it in, even though he's, he's a smart kid and he listened to my whole life and why would he want to take it in that direction? He just wants to do music, right? So I, I, I basically just said, well, you know what? To make things right, to make sure that don't go off in the wrong direction, he doesn't know even where to start. So you know what? I'm like, you know what? I, I can't, I got to respect what, what, what he wants to do. I can't bug him about school and I can't tell him that 
he can't do this or he can't do that. But this is your biggest he, fear, though. This is your fear yeah, that the sex, fear. you know, rugs and but, rock and roll. Yeah. But at the same time, if I pound it into his head, that can also damage him. That could also make him rebel, too. So I have to think about that, too. Even though everything's been good to this point with him, that's the first thing I was thinking. So I'm, I got to think of a way to fix this problem. So what I decided to do is I said, you know what? The only way I could fix this problem is if I put my feet inside this bucket 100% with him and show him the way mm-hmm. and try to make him understand. Because well, this is what I told him. Because my dad told me this a long time ago. When I was doing music and I was performing and uh, and uh, before I made it before I made it big and, be, and when I came down and I tried to make it big again, my dad always told me this. Yeah, music's good, but you know what? You need to have you need, you need to have something to fall back on. You need to get some kind of skill. You need to have some kind of uh, skill other than music because it doesn't last forever, and it, it's not that easy to get out there and make it. So you need to have something to fall back on because, believe me, music is not easy when it comes to financial because everything it costs money. If you want to get your shit really together with music, I mean, you know, you're doing a podcast, dude, and 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 and. and I equipment costs money. Yeah, I, I, Equi- did music. I know, but but, <laughs> I mean, but you but you know, know, equipment costs yeah. money, and and you need to learn stuff, software. I mean, there's there's a lot that goes into it. At the same time, it's not easy to make it. It's not easy, dude. Not everybody has a a, a story where they could say they made it. Some of us did. Some of us didn't. Some of us can't get back. I mean, it was hard for me to try to get back. I mean, it's it's so you have to have something to fall back on. That's what my dad used to always tell me. I used to be like, eh. My fallback was my dope dealing, and that's what I don't want for my son. So when I'm, what I try to tell him, you need to have something to fall back on. So I go, I'm going to put myself 100% involved in this music. So I don't have my studio equipment. It's in, my, it's in the storage. My DJ equipment's in storage. Everything's there. And I'm like, you know what? I need to, I, my, my shit's like outdated, 2010. I don't have anything. So I, 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 I'm working and, and I'm I'm uh, trying to reach out to people that I know, uh, and I'm trying to uh, get him in a studio. At the same time, I, I'm I'm really focusing on what he's doing. And you know what's crazy is his fucking writing, dude. His lyrical writing talent is way better than mine was at his same age. And what's crazy is. He just listens. He always listens to my music, always listens to my music. And he listens to a lot of hip hop and he writes his own shit, dude. Something that, you know, is very important. If you're into music, it's, it's good that you write your own shit. I mean, it's always good. And he writes his own shit and his shit is good, dude. And I, I trip out on it when, when I, when I heard him and then when I heard him flow, yeah, you know, when you first get on the mic, you're kind of shy and this and that, but, He's really broken through that really well, dude. And and right now it's gotten to the point where I'm I'm all in. I'm completely all in. And then he comes to me and says, this is what he comes to me and says, Dad, you know what? I thought about everything. Because I started telling him, I don't have a studio, dude. You're going to have to pay for studio time. Shit costs money. So if you're ready to, ready to do that, 
then your job better give you more more hours because um, if it's if it's that's what you want to do, then it's going to come out of your pocket. Okay, this is what you want to do. It came out of my pocket when I did it, so I'm here to guide you. But you're gonna you're gonna fork out the money, dude, because this is what you want to do. So he comes to me and says, "Dad, I realized what you said about something to fall back on," and he decided he's going to go back to school. So he's going to go back to school and uh, get it going and uh, do music on the weekends, dude. I tell him, and this is very, this is really important when it comes to music, dude. What I could tell you, and I talked to your brother about this, dude. So, and I'll, I'll tell you, and I'll, I'll explain the difference between now and then. Back then, my thinking was, I'm trying to make it, dude. I'm trying to get on the radio, and I'm trying to make it, and I'm going to do whatever I can to get there. Promotion, shows. Uh, getting this person involved, getting this person involved, everything I need to do, I'm striving. I'm helping everybody that's in my circle. But if you're out of my circle, stay out of the way because I'm trying to get to one position and that's to the top. Well, my mentality after going through the experience I did with music, getting getting up there, not being up there, falling down, trying to get back up, and then dealing with other shit in between, my experience is this. You know what? When I first started doing music, I did music because I loved it, dude. DJing, I love music. I I fucking love music, dude. Music is my life, dude. And I think about it like this, dude. If if I have the thoughts in my mind about music, how I did back then, I will go nowhere. I, the way I think about music is, is, is the way I thought about music in the beginning. I do music because I love it. I'm not trying to do a stage show. I'm not trying to do a big festival or a concert. I'm trying to put my music out and I'm trying to release it to the public because I love music and I want I want to share it with everybody. I don't give a shit if I get on the radio because you know what? I think if I think of my music is what my life is. My life I am music. And I'm going to share it with everybody now. What, what, what I think about getting ready, hey, if something happens, something happens. But if nothing happens, it doesn't bother me anymore because this is what I'm all about, dude. This is what makes me happy, dude. And I explained to my son, do this music as your hobby and as your main thing to do. And believe me, you will go, will go a lot farther inside than than you could ever go, dude. Because you know what? This is, it's real shit, dude. I mean, you, when you feel music, dude, you know, you say you're a musician. You, you should understand what I'm, what I'm saying, dude. I mean, it's not up to me. Uh, my mentality now is, is not the same, dude. It, I'm not going to go back to that mentality thinking about, I'm trying to make it big. Oh, how many hits do I get on this? No, I'm going to release all my music. I'm not trying to do any shows. I'm just trying to get my music out there. Now, now my son that's a different thing. I'm putting his music out. I'm trying to get him out there to get him some shows, get him performing. We're not, he even told me himself that I'm not trying to get on the radio. I'm just trying to do music. I go, good. As long as you keep that mentality, you'll go far. You'll go far, dude. And that's, that, that's, that's, that's pretty much where that goes. So we're working on, on, on stuff for him right now. I'm going to put out um, a single like every two months for him. And we're just going to put out singles, dude. I'm going to, my funk addicts music is coming back. 
And for those people out there that um, with funk addicts, you know, that heard heard of funk addicts, or you want to hear what we got, go to uh, Spotify or iTunes, CD Baby, check out the album The Anthem, Funk Addicts. You can hear a bunch of uh, music that, that I do, and I'm going to be releasing new stuff. My son's name's Devious. I'm going to put his stuff out. And um, what I do want to say, though, is my family, when, when, I got, when I got married with my wife, this is another thing. This is crazy. When I got with my wife, I instantly had a big family because my wife has, you know, her, she has uh, kids too, you know. I had my son, David. You know, he passed away. Of course, you guys know about him. I have Gabriel. And then me and my wife, we had my son. And this is kind of crazy. People ask me about this, but I, I named my son from my wife. I named him David also. It's it's spelled different, but I named him David, and he's actually a, a, a David Jr. And she has five kids. So all together, we have eight kids. <laughs> we have eight kids. But you know what? We have a big family. and and. I have two grandchildren that were that were not uh they were already born when I when I met her they they were already um I think 4 years old and 6 months old but I have nine grandchildren now and I was there for all their births so I really been this is this is what I've been doing family and music it's 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 I love it dude I mean I I feel more energetic now, dude, than I, than I, than I did before. And, and, you know, it's, it's all about family now. It's family and like, like this music thing. I'm, I'm about to take off with this music thing. I, I bought, uh, all the equipment over again. Everything's updated. We're working on stuff here and we could do whatever we want when we want to do it. And, uh, that's pretty much what I do now. You know, it's, it's, uh, I'm going to be releasing it to you, you know, pretty soon. And uh, you'll be one of the first guys to get it, dude. I'm that's, excited. That's for real. Honored. Yeah. Okay, I'm going to take a break right now. And we're back. David. Yo. So so check this out. Mm-hmm. So my son, we're working on, uh, I'm working on music with him now. And, and it's like, um, we're working, I have like two or three tracks right now that I have, I have set for him now. He's, we're barely getting this rolling in a few months. Uh, I plan on releasing a single like, you know, every two months. That's what we're doing singles. And at the same time, I'm going to be putting out my music, you know, cause I want my music to be heard. I mean, not, not, not because, uh, I'm trying to do shows or anything like that, but it's because the love of music, I want people to hear it. What I, what I have to, to, to put out. I want to spread, spread the, the music out to everybody. I want them to, uh, feel me and understand where I'm coming from. And at the same time, I'm pushing my son to go all out, like how, how I started out, you know, uh, doing shows. I mean, he's younger, you know, doing shows. Um, I'm pushing him as far as I pushed myself back then, except I'm doing it at a different angle. You know, I explained to him about music. Uh, like I said about, you know, um, we're doing this certain track right now it's it's going to be it's the FA tribe track. We got this whole thing together, this whole concept of uh the song's called Check My Game. And what it is, it's it's a track 
that were put and connected to to Devious. His his name is spelled D V U S. That's his rap name, Devious. And it's gonna be in his name. But what it is, it's the FA tribe track. What I did is I pulled I pulled in everybody that I've ever done music with with Funk Addicts. Now, it's gonna have Renee in it. It's gonna have Colombo in it. It's gonna have my cousin Yvonne Ivory. They call her Ivory. My boy Rudy Double R. Uh, my cousin Rez. He's Rudy also. And then uh, it's gonna have myself. It's gonna have. Uh, my partner, uh, the new guy who, who we're working with, they call him Bad Hands. His name's Kenny. And uh, he's going to be on the track. And then my son, is uh, he's going to lead the whole the whole track. And now what, what that track is, it's like a, my son my son explained to me like this. He's, he was excited about it. He's like, Dad, this track that you're putting together, check my game. It's a banger, dude. It's a banger. Wait until you hear it. It's a banger. Now, he says this track that you're putting together, it's it's like an all star track because we're getting all these guys that we've done music in. It's it's almost like a reunion, but he's the leader of the reunion. It's almost like he's taking this shit into a new era. You know what I mean? With with uh, FA Productions, that's Funk Attic Productions, um, FA Music, whatever, however you you want to call it. Everybody that knows us out there knows exactly what we've done and where we're heading. The people that don't know us out there, hey, it's out there right now. Spotify, iTunes, the album's called The Anthem, Funk Addicts. Check it out. More to come under FA Productions and Devious is the main main one we're focused on here <clears throat> going forward. Um, like I said, in between, I'll be releasing some tracks. But <clears throat> at the same time, it's like, dude, I'm just glad that I'm in this a hundred percent back dude and i don't need the dope i don't need the dope to uh to help me and i i for once feel that the music is actually in the forefront of everything once again dude and i i love my son and and i thank him for pulling me back in and what more better person to work with in music than my son i just told him hey just keep your head on your shoulders keep everything straight Lyrically, he has talent. He speaks more metaphorically. He's got some real talent, dude. We got some fat hooks and fat beats coming to you soon. Within the next few months, I'll start releasing stuff. He's still got to set, we still got to set platforms and everything up for him. Facebook, Instagrams, um, SoundCloud. I mean, everything we still, YouTube. I'm, I'm going to start preparing all that stuff. I'm not <clears throat> really, uh, like I said, rushing it. I'm not. We're not. We're not looking for radio. Uh, we do music because we love to do music, dude. And that's that's what this is all about. Um, you know, sharing what we have to the world. And uh, when you hear this story, hopefully, it, it finds everybody and gives some, you know people out there some peace. And hearing my story, and uh, if you're in different situations, I've been in every situation you could think of in, in my life. And um, I do want to appreciate. Uh, people that I work with in music, and uh, what what I want to do right now is I want to acknowledge, you know, all the people that I've ever worked with in music, and um, you know, I want to basically give props and shout outs to all the people in my life that have helped me down the way, and um, so what I have here is is I want to give a shout out to my boy Double R, that's Rudy R, for those people who know him as Rudy R. 
and Renee. Also, my boy Colombo. James, he's one of the ten twins. If, if you guys know him, James Jimenez, Jesse Gonzalez, my boy High Tran, uh, Canal. Those those guys were our dancers at some point. Uh, Hector Armas, we started working on music with him back in the day. I still keep keep in touch with him now. We may be doing some stuff in the future together. Also, Kenny Wong, he was like one of our first DJs. Um, we go way back. DJ Vicious V, Jam Style Posse DJ as well. Um, he went on. He's a DJ out there in Sacramento. He does radio stations out there. Jenny Fujita, she was our singer. She did she did the track Smooth Goof. That's where everything took off for us. She's awesome. She's an awesome studio act, awesome stage performer. Also, Alex Cardenas and Roman Reyes. Now, those guys, they live out there in, uh, they lived out there in Los Manos and Dos Palos. Now they're in Vegas. They got AR15 music. Um, they have their entertainment stuff going on. Uh, Romani is releasing stuff out there. Check him out on YouTube as well. Um, they're doing their thing. We might get some collabs going with, with them soon. We, we go way back with them too. Also, uh, my boy Alvin, 99 and Kwani. Those guys were my poppers back in the day. 99, he's a DJ out there for Hot 105 in, uh, right here in, uh, Modesto, Merced area. And, uh, yeah, those, those are all the guys that, uh, uh last but not least, well, we got JP, JP Nabriz. JP Nabriz is a producer. We go way back. I mean, the, the boys got talent. We were on a couple labels together. Uh, he had his group. We had our group, uh, Renaissance of Chaos, and we had uh, Future Attraction. Um, does some good production. He's out there in Vegas as well. Also, uh, my cousin Rez, my cousin Rudy, he's uh, he's out there in Sacramento. He's the one who got me back into music in 2004 after my uh, son had passed away. I hadn't done music for a while. You heard that in my story. And my boy Briz, you know, Brism, he's... Uh, my protege from back in the day, um, God bless you wherever you're at. Hopefully you're doing good. And also, uh, the new guys I'm working with, I have, uh, Darian Angel Jimenez. He's the one who's, uh, d- started doing our production now with my son. Uh, we're working on him. He's the one who inspired me to get my, uh, equipment again, get new equipment going and start doing, uh, doing it, everything myself again, like I was before. Uh, so he's a big part of what we're doing now, the new stuff we're doing. And also my boy, Kenny, they call him bad hands. He's on that FA track track that's coming. He's out of Chicago. He's here in the Bay area. He's been in the Bay for a while. Sick ass lyricist. I got to give him props. And last but not least, my son, Gabriel devious, man, we got plenty of things going forward. But what I could say to, to all you people out there, if you got anything from my story, I hope it blesses you in whatever possible way that it can. And uh, everybody be out out there safe from this pandemic that we're, that we're going through. We will all get this to, through this together. And God bless everybody. Music is my life. Music out there to you. I hope our music and this, you know, whole life story touches you in the, to the fullest. Love you guys. Peace out. And thank you so much. It was an honor to uh, having me on the show and uh, allow me to represent uh, my music to the fullest and what I've done. And I want to thank you once again, dude. It, it was it was awesome, dude, to to be here. And hopefully, we could stay in contact with the other projects we have going forward and yeah. promoting music and everything. So thank you.
Thank uh, you. Thank you, sir. Again, ladies and gentlemen, David Barreras, uh, one of my first musical people that I looked up to as a, as a young man. And wow, this was great. Please stay tuned for my outro and thoughts. Thank you very much. Check my game.